everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Give thanks. Amen. Good morning, church. And good morning to you who are at home. Let's again just welcome everybody at home. Welcome people here and welcome everybody at home. Because we are in church and brothers and sisters, we have had a week. Amen? This is one of those weeks where you say, you know, this is why God didn't, didn't force you to go further than seven days at a time without collapsing into the community of faith and in his presence because there's just so much that we go through sometimes in a week with um, the rising COVID crisis. Um, I know I'm, I'm knowing people who are waiting for tests, and, and we've just seen more and more of it coming, and then you're changing things in your life, your work, your schools. That We had the election. Did you notice there was an election this week? And, and, um, and I want to say a couple things about that real quick. Uh, you know, every time there's an election in our nation, that means that half the people are really excited and half the people are really depressed, right? That's how it works. And what does God call us to do as, as believers in a moment like that? Well, we're called to pray for our leaders with great confidence that God uses these leaders to build up his kingdom. He sets a platform through all kinds of different leaders for his kingdom as church to go through. And we're always called to pray for our leaders. And then there's a challenge too. It comes from Romans uh, twelve fifteen. It says, um, let me get to it and say it right. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, why is that a test? Because if you can rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and if you can grieve with those who grieve or mourn with those who are mourning after an election, it's a test of where your heart is, where you realize, oh, my heart really rests at its very core, not on my hope for a particular politician or platform or president, but my hope rests on Jesus. Amen? And so if we can be there, we can trust the Lord's got this. He's carrying us forward and uh, that God, God is not frustrated in his purposes no matter how elections turn this way or that, right? And then finally, I don't want to miss in the middle of all this that we're doing that on Wednesday, the 11th of November, is a day that we set aside every year to give thanks for those who serve our nation and defend its freedom. So it's Veterans Day on Wednesday, and uh, often we do something larger in the church, but this year I just wanted to take a minute to make sure that we were pre. I'm not going to make you stand up or anything, but just take a minute to say thank you as a church to those who are serving or have served in defense of our freedoms against forces of darkness, chaos, and tyranny in the world. So would we just appreciate those people who serve to keep us free? Okay, and now, give thanks for Jesus. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So I encourage you to open your Bibles or get to this in your own phone or your Bible on your whatever you've got. And at home, uh, open your Bibles on your lap, and the words are going to be in front of you on the screen. And as we open to Philippians 2, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us your word of grace and truth a word that's able to come into our lives and help us to know you, trust you, believe in you, and have eternal life in your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Philippians 2. Therefore, 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who? Being in the very nature God did not count equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. We thank God for his word. Give thanks. We're in this series about giving thanks. Give thanks for Jesus. About seven years ago, a young man was arrested in Texas on DUI, and um, as he came in front of the judge, his lawyers argued for mercy, for leniency. They said, you've got to help this boy. He said, look, he's sick. He doesn't need to be punished. He needs to be healed. You need to have mercy. You see, he suffers affluenza. Remember that? Remember that? He was the son of, of wealthy parents. They said, their parents, look, he's so rich, he's never had any limitations in his life. And, and he was, his parents were so disinterested in raising him that he had no moral compass. He, this man is just too spoiled to be held accountable for his misdeeds. Affluenza, right? Look, it's laughable, except for the fact that it was real, and, and also except for the fact that this DUI was a serious occasion. It took the lives of four innocent people. Look, if the son of, of, of wealthy Texans can come at us, can come into the world as such a terror, from all that power, all that authority, all that wealth, then what, what about the son of the living God? What are we to expect from him? Give thanks for Jesus the Son of the living God, and the way he came to us. 
We're talking about give thanks. Can you, can you have a list going? Can you write down a few things that you're grateful for? It's not just something you do once a year. It's a lifestyle of living in gratitude to God, of seeing life as gifts of God that are unfolding before you and of giving thanks. So we challenge one another. Can you write down a few things each day, each week, that you can be grateful for before the Lord. And last week we talked about if you don't have anything else on your list of blessings, give thanks for grace, for God's grace. God is for you, not against you. God's grace is a gift, and the gifts of God are grounds for gratitude. Well, this week we talk about Jesus. We see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into the world What was just read, it's hard to read it without jumping out of your seat, isn't it? What was just read is one of the most profound and and powerful texts that's ever been written. They call it the Christ Hymn of Philippians 2. Scholars believe it's so lyrical, so poetic, that it must have been a song that the church was singing, and maybe Paul even quoted a praise song that the church had been singing from the beginning of worshiping Jesus, and, and the Spirit inspired him to quote that song as he was writing to encourage the church at Philippi. A pastor in uh, Philadelphia named James Montgomery Boyce some years ago, he wrote this about these verses. He said, they teach the whole gospel. He said this, quote, they teach the divinity of Christ, his preexistence, his equality with God the Father, his incarnation and true humanity, his voluntary death on the cross, the certainty of his ultimate triumph over evil, and the permanence of his reign. All, all right there. Give thanks. Give thanks for Jesus, the Son of God, and how he came to us. How did he come to us? He came humbly. He came as our Savior. He came as our Lord. Number one, Jesus came humbly. Verse one, therefore, if you have any any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if you've got any of these gifts, if you've got anything to be grateful for, any common sharing in the Spirit, if you've got any tenderness and compassion, then do what? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by being of one mind. Let these gifts change the way you think, you see? That would make my joy complete, says Paul, to see that happening. Having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others, above yourselves. That's a high challenge. Can you let that sit on you for just a minute? Wow. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Jesus came humbly. What what do you like most in a leader? What qualities do you admire most, do you look for? Friends, remember, humility is a positive quality. The best leaders put themselves in humble service of others. We call it the servant leader. Have you ever heard that phrase? It comes from this right here, how Christ came to us. Jesus shows us the way. He shows us the way. Coming from all the power of heaven, from the seat of of the Son of the living God most high, here's how his coming, here's how his, his advent, his coming, here's how it looks. Here's how it's described. Verse five. In your relationships with one another, 
I want you to act like Jesus act. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here we go. Who? Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Being God, being who he was, he did not consider his, his being, his, his ontology, who he was, something to hold on to for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. How does Jesus come to us? The Son of the living God came in humility as an infant cradled in the arms of a vulnerable girl. Jesus came humbly. Number two, Jesus came as our Savior. See, upon arrival, Jesus kept going down. He didn't show up and say, Son of God here. He kept going down. He humbled himself. Look at verse verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, here he is, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, there's there's no deeper place to go. And why did he die on the cross? To die as man, mankind, to save. To save. See, Jesus, he came to die on our behalf and pay the penalty for our sins. He came to save because we needed saving. We need saving still. We were just awash and drowning in all the ways we had broken the law. Jesus, let's be clear, Jesus did not come to abolish or erase the law. The law is there. But what did Jesus do? Jesus came to erase our ledger of sins against that law, our own record of where we had broken and transgressed the law of God. He took that away. He took that ledger away. He expunged our record, soaking it up onto himself like a sponge. I don't even know if those two words have anything to do with each other, but they they rhyme and they fit together, right? He kind of soaked it up to expunge our record. He took the, the retribution, the punishment due to us for our sins and transgressions. He took it on himself. He soaked it up. And he went to the cross with it. And there he died. And he paid for all of that, once and for all. He erased the ledger of our sins. That's how it's talked about in Colossians 2.14, that on the cross, he took it to the cross where he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Do you need a savior? I do. But until you see yourself needing a Savior, you won't look to Jesus to be your Savior. See, as long as you think of yourself as, as pretty much okay, as a little better than, you know, than that guy, or, or you know, I'm on my way, I just need a little 
coaching, as long as you see yourself as pretty much there, you won't understand the meaning of having Jesus as your Savior because you don't have a need for Jesus as your Savior. What will you be looking for? You'll be looking to Jesus as a a teacher, as a guide, as a coach. God save us from Jesus the coach. Do you know why? Because if Jesus is your coach, if Jesus is just a coach to us, then it's up to us to win the game. If Jesus is a guide, then it's up to you to watch what Jesus does and do the same and accomplish it. Let me tell you something. You cannot do what Jesus did when it comes to salvation. You cannot die for your sins and the sins of others. You can die in your sins. But you cannot die for your sins. You need a savior. You cannot save yourself. Even in the church, I'm trying to today to put Jesus in front of us just as clearly, as simply. Even in the church, we resist our need for a savior. There's something in us that just resists needing a Savior. We might think about it. We might understand it. We might sing about it. We might even think it's a beautiful idea that Jesus is this beautiful Savior. But we fail to make it our own. We never appropriate it. We never take it into ourselves. You never take Jesus as your personal Savior. Imagine this picture. It's like this. Imagine somebody who's... Um, sailboat is capsized and he's drowning in the ocean. He's treading water, you know. The waves are coming over. The Coast Guard comes along over and lowers a basket down. You know, one of those baskets. You know what I'm talking about? You know, that you climb in. You're going to get rescued. And what does the man do? He sees the basket coming down and he thinks, man, that's really nice. You know? How, how noble how, how kind of them to sacrifice themselves, their time, to lower that basket for me. In fact, you know, I could even sing a song, Amazing Love, how, and he, you know, and he doesn't get in the basket. He just watches it, he sees it, he understands it, but he doesn't throw himself in it. Why? Why? Because something in your heart resists the need for a Savior. You want to believe you've almost got it. You're almost there. If you only had a little more education, a little more time, if you only had a little more coaching, just another chance, you'd be able to save yourself and you don't get in the basket. You cannot save yourself. Jesus isn't a coach. Jesus, uh, he didn't throw a window open in heaven and say, hey, find your way up. He didn't, he didn't lower a rope over your drowning soul and say, shimmy on up, pal. That's not Jesus. No, Jesus came all the way down to where you are. All the way down. He lowers that basket all the way down to where you are, to where you can be lifted, pulled, Save. Let him save. Jesus came as Savior. Lastly, Jesus came as Lord. Verse 9. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. That is, God, God raised him, raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus ascended into heaven and regained his high place. Jesus is this one who came so down, he came so low, that he was raised so high up. And, and the Bible wants us to see this in this relationship of father and son. Of course, Jesus also is God. We say Jesus died, God raised him from the dead. And we understand Jesus is also God in this mystery of the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Whatever God does, God is doing it together as one. But this scripture wants you to see today this relationship between father and son, how the son gave his life and the father raised him up again. And he's exalted in heaven. And and the father, it goes on, and gave him the name that is above every name. This is Jesus. This is who he is. His identity is revealed. This is the Lord That at the name of Jesus, come on church, I know you want to read this with me. Read this aloud with, you can't, I don't think you can even stay sitting in your chair. Read this aloud with me. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior at a Young Life camp in 1986 in California when I was 12 years old. I was 12. The next day I went into the the little gift shop at the camp. I wanted to uh, to buy something to kind of help me to remember how important of a day that was. I was looking through the gift shop, these things, and this this keychain jumped out at me. And it had written on it, Colossians 2.6, Therefore, as he received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. I bought it. A keychain. I was 12 years old. What do I need a keychain for, Right? But do you know what? I, I still have it. Because I looked at it and I thought, if you've received Jesus Christ, and I thought, that's, that's me. I've received Jesus Christ. I've taken him into my heart. I've known him as my Savior. I've trusted him as my Savior. I've thrown myself into that basket. Not just part of me, but all of me. And, and now, as you have received Christ Jesus... So walk in him. He is your savior. Know him as your Lord. He is your savior. Walk in him. Order your life around him, toward him, subject to him. He is Lord. See, as the praise team comes out to join me, this is the thing, folks. Jesus, Jesus, he came humbly. But make no mistake, This Jesus who came humbly, he is your Savior. And the Savior is your Lord. And he's not some lucky penny that you throw in your pocket. He's not some 
talisman. Christianity isn't some, some talisman that you put in your back pocket to try to add to your life. He is your Savior and your Lord. And you don't just take a piece of him. You don't just take a taste of him. You throw your whole life into the basket. You've got to throw your whole life into his hands. You've got to, you can't take him as a coach. Jesus didn't come as a coach to show you how to run the race and say, try to meet me on the other side. Jesus has lowered himself down. He's lowered the basket down. In fact, he is the basket. And you don't just give him a bit of yourself. You toss yourself fully into his grace, into his hands to pull and lift you up into salvation in his name. He is your savior. He is your Lord. And you don't say to him, Lord, thank you for forgiving my sins, but I'm not interested in your lordship. You say, you're my savior, and now I'm yours. My whole life is in your hands, and I trust you. I trust you, my savior. I trust you with every opinion on my mind, with every intention of my will, with every desire of my heart. You're my Lord. I want you to hold all of it. Everything that I have, it's no longer mine. I give it over to you, Jesus. This is your life to use for your glory, for your will. You throw yourself into his hands with reckless abandon, and you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. You're mine. I'm yours. This is how you know the saving grace of Jesus. It's not just a taste. It's not just a part of you. It's your whole life in his hands. And we give thanks for Jesus. I want you to pray with me here at home. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. This is the day of the Lord. This is the moment of salvation. There's nothing else that this means but that you can come into life with Christ. You can throw yourself into his saving grace. The ledger of your sins can be wiped clean and you can know eternal life in him forever. I want you to pray with me. Just open your heart and pray. Lord Jesus, I trust you. I love you. I give you my whole heart, my whole life. Help me to feel your saving grace. Forgive my sins. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being my Savior, my Lord, my life. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.